There have been a lot of great hockey players over the years. Legends, both on and off the ice. The Overtime Podcast checks in with some of hockey's biggest names and talks about what these great players are up to today. Welcome to the Overtime Podcast. Here's your host, Gino Retta. Hey, hockey fans. Welcome to the first ever episode of 7-Eleven's The Overtime Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Retta. There are many great players who have played the game of hockey over the past decades. The Overtime Podcast is going to connect with some of these players and catch up with what they're doing now. On this week's show, we're joined by a hockey legend who played over a thousand pro games, was a multi-time NHL All-Star Memorial Cup winner. After he hung up the skates, he became a minister, a successful motivational speaker, and an author. He also scored one of the most famous goals in the sport of hockey during the final and deciding game of the 1972 Summit Series between Canada and then Soviet Union. His goal with just 34 seconds left in a tie game gave Canada the series victory against the formidable Russian team. We're talking about Paul Henderson. Paul, welcome to the show. It is so great to be catching up with you again. Looking forward to it. Here are a couple of hot, tasty ways to crush the Crave. Download the 7Now delivery app, and 7-Eleven will have your hot and delicious Crave crushers to your door almost before you can say, Fuel me up, Sev. You know the Crave I'm talking about. The one that's whispering, Wings or pizza in your ear right now for just 11.69 order a large hot from the oven and minutes pepperoni pizza add a two liter coke or pepsi for two dollars 7-eleven is your go-to for fast delivery of slurpee groceries essentials meals snack and treats 24 7 so paul it was 50 years ago my friend the summit series canada russia happy anniversary can you believe it was 50 years ago well, when I look in the mirror, yes, I can believe it. <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> what does that mean? You look fantastic. Don't say that. You look great. You don't have much choice, so I'm dealing with it. All right. Okay, so for those who, who, who weren't alive at the time, for those who've heard the stories of the time, when you were going to the Summit Series that happened back in 1972, Canada versus Russia, we didn't know very much about the Russian game. We had a tremendous amount of pride in the in the Canadian version of the game. Set up for me the whole mentality that went into this tournament as they started to put together this team to go against the Russians. Well, we knew they were good hockey players. I mean, that was obvious. But the, the firepower that we had, I mean, you throw out there Esposito, Cornway, yeah. and... Uh, Mahovlich, and then you come back with a gag line, uh, you know, Javel, Rattel, and uh, Hatfield, and then you got Perot and Martin, and and so, and well, look at the defense we had, too. I mean, incredible. If the Toronto Maple Leafs ever had half their defense right now, they would be <laughs> but, but anyway, it, uh, and, and I knew that the games would probably be close, but it's the same today. Like, if, you, if a, a number one team plays a bottom league team, the, the, the other team is going to win more games than they're going to lose. I mean, that's just reality. Yeah. Uh, but we totally underestimated, that's for sure. And we didn't take it serious enough. But uh, but the good thing for Ronnie Ellis, Bobby Clark, and myself was a lot of people really didn't take it that serious. But Ronnie and I wanted to play. Everybody was going to get to play a game. And uh, Ronnie and I really wanted to play in Toronto. And so 
first practice and and we didn't know Bobby Clark very well. He was very young at that time, but uh, you didn't have to do much to motivate him. But we let's work. We, we're going to have to play our way onto this team because we are underdogs. There were seven lines, and we knew we were five, <laughs> probably seven. And But because Ronnie and I wanted to play in Toronto, and, of course, he, Clark, he just added all the time. And so we, went, we, we came in pretty good shape, and we worked our buns off. And, uh, and and it worked out. We had a red-white game. Well, we had two of them, actually. And our side won. Uh, the first one, I scored two goals, and Clarke got a goal. And the second, it was the same thing. And and the other team, they weren't – other guys weren't uh, uh, able to score on us because, see, we we felt that we were going to be – we were going to be no liability because we were all good defensive players. Yep. We could put the puck in the net. And so we were pretty anticipative, but we did work our tails off. And as it went on, it was obviously we were probably the best line and we were going to play in Montreal also. And we were looking forward to just hammering them. You know. But it didn't turn out that way, Hetty, because now all of a sudden, all of Canada's watching. You guys, you look at that roster in there and you think we're good. We're fine. You know, there's no way the Russians are going to beat us. We don't even know most of their names. We knew a little bit about Tretiak and stuff, but we didn't know much about their names. Then they come in and they beat you guys 7-4. What's going on in the room right after that game, number one, when you realize this is a whole different thing that we anticipated? Oh, man, it was a well, <laughs> We realized that, if you remember, Phil scored the first shift, and right. I scored at the six-minute mark. Come back to the bench, and Ronnie Ellis and Bobby Clark remember me saying this. Boys, this is going to be a very <laughs> long series. We knew. And they like they come up the ice, and they didn't like what they saw. They turned back. You played for Punch Imlach. He didn't even like a drop pass. Yeah. And it definitely went – and so I felt sorry for uh, for Dryden. I mean, every time he thought they were going to shoot, they passed the bloody thing and it was in the net. <laughs> they were, you know. And so, but the the worst thing we did was we only we only dressed five defensemen, and yeah. we hung in for uh, we hung in for the first two periods. But then our poor five defensemen, their <laughs> legs were like cement. And yeah. but as it turned out, this is the best thing that ever happened for Paul Henderson. Total wake-up call for you guys, for the entire team. Great opportunity for you because you weren't one of the stars on that team, and all of a sudden you're given an opportunity. So so you guys lose game one, you basically get thrashed. You win game number two, 4-1, and Espo after the game says, this is bigger than winning the Stanley Cup. Suddenly, as Canadian hockey fans, we get a sense of how big this is. But you come back and you tie game four, uh, game three rather, 4-4, four, four, and now you make eight roster changes on the team. Eight different lineup changes because Harry Sinden, who was running the team, says, enough of this. We got to switch that up. What's that like when all of a sudden management is saying, we got to make major changes here or we're in big trouble? Well, I mean, we knew. No one, we knew there had to be changes made. That, that was for sure. But the, the reality is it takes you a while to, you can have the great players, but you got to become a team. And, uh, and so putting guys in and out. Now, we were really fortunate. Ronnie and I were fortunate because Bobby Clark was just a younger, normal man. Obviously, a little more aggressive. Yep. A lot more aggressive. <laughs> you, you, you couldn't get guys to, to work together. Like Mickey Redmond, and, and what a great hockey player, but 
He just couldn't get on a line that was functional. And so, uh, it, you know, and it took some time. There's no question, but we were definitely getting uh, in better shape by that time. But, but it, it, you know, we Billy Golds where they took two bad penalties right in in uh, in that start of the game, and they scored two power play goals right off the bat. Well, then you got to open things up, which we tried to do because we knew we had to score some goals, and you know, it just did not work out, and we were soundly booed off the ice and i would say to you we didn't play well that game yeah and i that was the only game i think our line did not have many scoring chances that we didn't get scored against but uh yeah it was a, it was a downer thank goodness that phil esposito who was <clears throat> he was our leader on and off the ice oh for sure he was how about his speech after game four because now now after game four you finished your four games in canada you're getting set to shift the whole series to russia You've only won once. You've tied once, and you've lost. Sorry, you've lost three games. So now you're in a big, in a big trouble, big chunk of trouble. The Canadian fans, the Canadian media, everybody's turned against you. And Espo has the speech. What do you remember about that? Well, see, we didn't see it. You know, he came. We were in the dressing room, of course, and and you got to give uh, Johnny Esau a tremendous just letting him go. And that's when it, that woke up the Canadian people. But we didn't see it. Even Espo never saw that for years later. And so, uh, but that's what we needed. And that's what the Canadian people, and they woke up. And and, and those 3,000 Canadians yeah. came to Russia. And we would have not, I don't think we would have won without them. No, quit, no kidding. They were so instrumental getting behind us. So now you got the whole series shifts to Russia. Uh, you're in big, big trouble now. It's uh, now. I think I think it was Vic Hatfield and a couple of guys who basically just bailed on the team and said, "We're not getting played. We're like it's almost like a mutiny from within." Total lineup changes. How does stuff start to turn around now that you're on Russian ice and you've got all these Canadian fans there with you? How does this series begin to shift for you? Well, I think the well, we went to Sweden and that was instrumental because we played a couple of games over there in the bigger ice service. But uh, uh, you know, it's amazing, Gino. Uh, little things in life that make difference. We we get to Russia and we're skating around the first practice, and John Ferguson was our assistant coach, and we're skating around. He comes up to me and he says, "Paul," he said, "We are really counting on you." The bigger ice surface is up your alley, and you've been playing well. And so uh, we need you to come up big for us. And, you know, we, we got 12 Hall of Famers on there. And I thought, man, talking to Paul Henderson, I'd, I'd be talking What's to What's that like? Like, Henny, let me stop you for a second. What's it like to, to be called on? Because you, you barely made the team. The way you said it, you had seven lines on the team. You thought you were five at fifth best at the very least. Now, all of a sudden, you're scoring goals, you're scoring game winners, and you're being called on by management to lead the way. What's that like for a kid? <laughs> well, it, it, it was a, certainly a boost. There's no question about it. Because, and I don't care who you are. You just need a little bit of encouragement every day. But, and we knew we were playing well. And, uh, and we were basically the shutdown line. So I, we, yeah. Ronnie Ellis played most of the time against uh, Karlamov, of course. And so... But I got a little lucky, and I started getting some – well, I, I mean, my, my speed and my shot. I could score goals, which I started doing. I actually got the first – I got two goals in the first game uh, in Moscow. 
but I look back at that as being instrumental and in just, okay, they're counting on me and there they're going. But, you know, it's you look back to, you know, I got a concussion in that game. Guy cut me down. I went into the boards and Jim Murray and the doctors uh, checked me over and they said, you got a concussion. You cannot play. Sorry, Henny, can I can I interject for a second? You're yeah. downplaying this. You didn't just get a concussion. You got knocked unconscious. Am I right? Were you not out? I was out. Yeah, there's no question about it. But you know, the best to be, I, I, you know, Eleanor. We've got a great marriage. She's the best woman in the world. When I go down, she conducts this. Get up! I am not staying in that hotel room by myself. You sucker! Get up! <laughs> And for those who know Eleanor, know that's true because she wears the pants in your family. She was petrified to stay in the room. She was absolutely petrified. That's from that side of the coin. But you know, Harry come in and said, "Paul, you got to take your equipment off. You got a concussion." And I said, "Harry, don't do this to me." I said, "I'll take care of myself, but please, please let me let let me get myself together." And a pounding headache, of course. And he looked at me and he said, "Henny." We sure as hell need you. And if you want to play, I'm not going to stop you. And, you know, today I'd have never been allowed back. Oh, no chance. But but you look all those little things that head up to the end. And and so anyway, we went back out there. It took me a while to get the headache to slow down because I was taking, you know, whatever they were giving me to try to do it. But anyway, I survived. But that's the way. That's why I'm not that sharp anymore. It's a, well, I think I, you're still pretty sharp, pal. I had six concussions. <laughs> so I got I got cancer. I had six concussions. I got an excuse for everything. Wow. Even when I play in golf. Yeah, well, you know, I'll, we, we can get to the golf thing later. The few people in the history of mankind are more intense than Paul Henderson on the golf course. I can absolutely assure you that. I've been out there with you, Paul. I've seen the focus you have, and don't get between you and the golf hole. No chance. So now – you, you're recovering from the concussion. You got the headache. We all know what happens in game eight, and we'll get to that in a second. But you get the game winners in game six, game seven, and now they're telling you you can't just tie game eight. You've got to win game eight. You're on the bench. The clock is ticking down. Walk me through how the end of game eight, and you're the most famous goal or one of the most famous iconic goals in Canadian hockey history, get scored on the ice. Walk me through what you did to get on the ice and what happened when you got on. <laughs> well, I'll back that up just a little bit. We sure. were, Clarky, uh, Ronnie and I were out on the ice and we come off and there's about a minute and 40 seconds left in the game. And Sindon sent out Esposito, Cornway, and Mahovlich. Yep. And then for some reason, because the next line was uh, Gilbert Rattel and Dennis Hull, he comes down and says to us, if there's any time left, you guys are good. So no kidding. And so anyway, I'm sitting there and I did something about a one minute mark. I, I, it just happened like that. I got to get on the ice. And maybe because uh, I'd scored the winning goal in the two free previous games, I stood up and I never did this before and I never did it again, Gino. I started yelling at Peter Mahomlich to come up. <laughs> and Frank was sitting beside me and he, what the hell are you doing? And I didn't pay any attention. But anyway, yeah. Peter comes off and and I jump over the boards and Cornway had it the far side. And I'm a right-hand shot coming off the left side. And I yelled at him and I was hoping I could just 
one time Austin Matthews type deal, but it was <laughs> it was too far out in front of me, yeah. and the guy tripped me. I fell into the boards, and I remember saying to myself, "I can still do it," because I did it only time in my life when Game Seven went through two defensemen and two forwards and scored that goal. I still have time. Well, I get up and just like that, and Phil whacked it at Trechiak, and Trechiak should never have let the rebound come out. But I panicked. Oh, my God. And I tried to put it right along the ice. And uh, and he threw out his pad and he got it. And then I had about a foot to put it in. But, you know, Gino, the the, the amazing thing that really, when it went over the line, I had a touch of melancholy. I said out loud, Dad would have loved this one. Oh, my man. dad died in 1968. And I, oh. I, I don't think I thought of my dad the whole time. But that's that father-son thing and of course a nanosecond of melancholy and then i jumped into cornway's arms and that's why i had to have a, a back operation years later and started <laughs> hugging <laughs> so but anyway we have been i've been riding that one goal for 50 years and it's been a nice ride no kidding i don't blame you i mean is there is there a day that goes by where it doesn't come up in conversation or you walk into to grab a cup of coffee or into the grocery store where somebody doesn't recognize you or wants you to, to tell the story? Well, obviously days that I don't meet people, but I went out, yeah. I was at the fundraiser last night for the Horatio Alger uh, fundraiser. And I got more stories last night than you can shake a stick at. It's just, yeah. they always, and they're different. They published the book to my Paul Pascal, who you know, Paul, and yep. Sean Mitten wrote a book, and they had the launch, and they asked me to come to it, and it did. And they had 10 people that were in Russia with us. And I got wow. my picture taken with these 10 people, and I was able to tell them, man, you guys deserve half the victory. <laughs> we're able to win it because of you people. Here are a couple of hot, tasty ways to crush the crave. Download the 7Now delivery app and 7-Eleven will have your hot and delicious Crave Crushers to your door almost before you can say, fuel me up, Sev. You know the Crave I'm talking about. The one that's whispering wings or pizza in your ear right now. For just $11.69, order a large hot from the oven in minutes pepperoni pizza. Add a two liter Coke or Pepsi for $2. 7-Eleven is your go-to for fast delivery of Slurpee, groceries, essentials, meals, snack and treats 24-7. What's it like to be a part of a moment like that, Paul, when you sit back and you, I mean, you accomplish so much. I mean, even making the National Hockey League is crazy. Making that roster is insane. But being probably the single most impactful player in that entire series, one of the biggest international hockey tournaments in Canadian hockey history, what's it like to sit back sometimes and think, I was a part of that. I was a significant part of that. Well, I, I went in there and I wanted to prove to myself and, and prove to these other guys that I could, uh, that I play hockey at this level. But you saw me play. I, mm. I, could, I was not a great stick handler or anything like that. And so I needed teammates. But I found out the better teammates I had, the better I did because my speed and my shot, they'd get the puck to me and I could do it. And, and so I went in with a lot of confidence. And I've always been a very confident, perfect uh, person. You ask Ronnie Ellis about that, and I would say, I'm going to get one. And 
a lot of times I did, but but it's, you know, looking over your shoulder, like to score the three winning goals in the last three games, no one would believe that. Well, it'd be yeah. Cornway A or Esposito, but Paul Henderson doing that. And so I take great delight in it. And uh, But Eleanor and I, after we scored, we come back to Canada. And every, like, it, it, we just, it was too much too fast. Yeah. And, and and everybody wanted something. People were driving us crazy. And and Eleanor and I had a talk, and we said we either got to run from this or we got to embrace it. We and and so we talked about this. Well, let's embrace it and and enjoy it. And that was a great decision. And so it was we'd go out for dinner, and people would come over, even while we're eating, and they, well, I shouldn't do this, but I need your autograph or your yeah. picture, and and. Uh, and that did not go over well with my wife. And if you tick off my wife, no, don't do that. To get along well with me, but it takes a lot to tick her off. So, but anyways, so we decided to embrace it, and we had, and I had, and that was one of the best decisions we make. And so I've enjoyed it. Like I don't think I've ever turned down an interview. People want to talk about it, I'm there. But the good side of it, we've raised so much money for charities over the yes, yes. year. Uh, like signing the sweaters and that kind of stuff. It's just, so it's the, the, the pluses have been a lot better than the negatives. So there's no question. Yeah. It's unbelievable. The journey that you've allowed us to share with you over these years, Paul, it's been, it's been amazing. Uh, the moment, the moment itself in game six, seven, and eight with the game winners were incredible, but the moments that you've been able to share with us as hockey fans since then, where you've recounted the stories and given us, I, I, the first time I ever heard you talking about your dad there with the melancholy moment you after having scored the goal, I didn't realize that that was a moment to share and give us those insights into it. Uh, you still look really, really good physically, but you've had some significant health issues over the last few years. As much as you're willing to share, share with us where you're at right now, because it's been a long journey for you, my friend. Like I'm the same way today as when I played in the NHL. And I've got a full gym in my basement. And so, but my dad died at 49 and my sister died at 48 heart attacks. And so uh, the, the Henderson gene is not good. And I knew that I was going to have to take care of myself. And thank goodness I got the greatest wife in the world. And we've always eaten well too. And, 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 and she's, she's within a pound or two when we got married also. So we've really taken care of ourselves uh, from that side. But, I, I, out of the blue, I go in and I do, you know, get your annual checkup when the blood work comes back and and they do a, a biopsy and uh, I got, you know, they tell me I've got cancer. But the, 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 the thing that really is the best thing, you know, I'm a very strong, I became a Christian in 1975 and, and I, because of some good mentorings, I really was able to put some deep roots, spiritual down, roots down. And so I, I, I've been convinced for years, I'm not going to live a day longer than the Lord wants me to or a day left. So I'm diagnosed with cancer. And Eleanor says, you know, we're going to, you know, we're, we're not going to let cancer define us. We're going to live our lives every day and do the best way we can. And, but then once again, I'm so fortunate. Uh, I, I, uh, I, after a while, I was going uh, to see an oncologist and they assigned me one. And, but the only thing they offered me in Canada was chemo. And I know my body and I knew that I was not going to do well. And so we started to educate ourselves. And what else could we do? And then we found out there was a, 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 
uh, a clinical study in, down in the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland. And you had to be in really bad shape to get into it. And I just squeaked into it. But by that time, I'd lost the 30 pounds. But when you have no fear of dying, you take every day and you live the best way. And so, what you know, I had to fly to, you know, to, uh, to Bethesda and you got to get a hotel room and taxis and all that. But if there's a chance, you do what you have to do. And it, fortunately, it worked out pretty well. And then, again, we knew it wasn't a, 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 a cure, but we're hopefully we're going to try to find a cure. And so, uh, and just when the, the COVID kept in, my, it kept, you know, my numbers, cancer numbers went up again, and I had to find something else in Canada. And now I'm over at Juravinsky in Hamilton, the cancer hospital there. And they got this new drug that came out after and it's a better drug than the other one that I'm on. And so now I can walk the golf course. Before I had the side effects, I couldn't. Now I can walk 18 holes. And and and, and my blood work is better now than probably any time. And so, but I look at, you know, I'm just so fortunate, Gino. Well, you know, I'm just a very thankful guy. And uh, yeah. But any, I don't care who you are. And I tell people, nobody gets a wrinkle-free life. And yeah. uh, And it's usually through the tough times that you really learn what's in the inside of you. And, uh, and that's when you got to deep, you know, uh, go deep. And fortunately I've, you know, you know, Eleanor is just, she is a rock. And you know, when I start to get a little out of line, man, she can tune me up so fast and it's taken me a lot of years, but you know what, Gino, she's a lot smarter than I am. And I listen to her. I don't even take anything. Don't do anything without asking her today. And the Bible says there's a, a good wife is a gift from the Lord. And I thank him every day for Eleanor. She is a wonderful human being. And, and it's incredible the journey that you've been going through. Uh, I want to ask you, uh, how, how difficult is it? What you've got right now at the Hockey Hall of Fame is incredibly impressive. There's displays all over there with, with uh, Team Canada 72, a big display, rightfully so. Some of your, a lot of your equipment is down there. But you as an individual, not a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame. How does that sit with you? Well, actually, I, I got no problem with it whatsoever. Okay. Because people are upset. Even last night, people come up to you should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And I'll tell you what, though, Gina, if they put me in, everybody will forget me. And so I'm a wow. lot on the outside because it ticks people off. But how many people do you know that's in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> you know, really. And, but, I, but truthfully, and, and <clears throat> there's a lot of guys that are not in the Hall of Fame that had better careers than I am. And I think are very deserving to be in there and they're not in there. And I think if all those guys went in, then maybe I would feel better about it. But I got they've unelected, they have a selection committee. And these are all good people. And so I'm willing to whatever, you know, whatever decision they make. Now, if they put me in sometime, because everybody said you should be in there as a builder. You brought the country together. And so if they ever invited me, I'd have to write a speech, you know, and all that <laughs> stuff. So. So I'm like, I've got every other award in Canada. In fact, I said last night at the dinner, I said, 
we sat beside David Johnson, you know, and he gave me the Order of Canada. I've got the Order of Ontario. I'm in the International Hockey Hall of Fame. Oh, I should tell you about that. Please do. Back in 12, uh, they, uh, Forsberg went in, Sundin went in, and we go over to uh, Stockholm. And two of our really good friends, couples, came with us, and we spent a week over there. So it's my turn to get uh, in, inducted. And they kept it a secret. Who comes out to introduce me is Tretiak. And wow. comes out. And, you know, and he had to say some nice things about me because of the situation. And he did. And then he looks at me and he says, Paul, I know why you scored that last goal. I've looked at those replays over and over. And Paul, the reason you scored that goal. And he looked at me and he had to wait five, six seconds. And everybody is, Paul, the reason you scored that goal, it was very bad goaltending. <laughs> While they broke it. And he came back and gave me a bear hug and uh, never forget that moment. But, you know, you know, we hated them in 72. Yeah. But thank goodness we got to know them. We should have hated their system, not them. Because they're like trying to keep a wife happy, trying to raise kids. And uh, and they've had a lot tougher time. We, we live in the greatest company in the world. The greatest yeah. country in the world. And I remind myself of that every day. And, and you know, Gino, I can't think of a person in the world that's more fortunate or more blessed than I am. And I wouldn't change place with anybody in the world, even with cancer. I don't want to be a day older. I don't want to be a day less. I got today and I try to live it in a manner worthy and pleasing to the Lord and try to be a blessing to other people. Wow, Paul. Uh, I'll tell you what. You're a class act. You're a gentleman. It's so nice catching up with you again. Uh, we'll keep in touch. And I'll tell you what, if you got to launch this brand new 7-Eleven overtime podcast, no better way to do it than the guy who scored one of the most iconic goals in hockey history. Henny, it is so great catching up with you, my friend. All the best to you. Good luck. We'll keep thinking of you. And you keep plugging away. And uh, I'm sure if with Eleanor in charge, you'll be in good hands. Thanks very much. Thank you. That was the legend himself, Mr. Paul Henderson. The Overtime Podcast has been proudly presented by 7-Eleven. Before leaving the ring, order your favorite Slurpee, fresh premium rabbit coffee, hot from the oven pizza and wings, ice cream, or even a carton of milk from the 7Now app. Team 7-Eleven will have your order ready for pickup 24-7. If you missed any parts of the show, don't worry. You can visit our website at overtimepodcast.ca where you can both listen and subscribe to future shows. 7-Eleven's Overtime Podcast can be found on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, iTunes Podcast, or at any of your favorite podcast platforms. Until next week, I'm Gino Retta. Saying so long, hockey fans, and thanks for joining us on the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. Here are a couple of hot, tasty ways to crush the crave. Download the 7Now delivery app, and 7-Eleven will have your hot and delicious crave crushers to your door almost before you can say... Fuel me up, Sev. You know the crave I'm talking about. The one that's whispering wings or pizza in your ear right now. For just $11.69, order a large hot from the oven in minutes pepperoni pizza. Add a two-liter Coke or Pepsi for $2. 7-Eleven is your go-to for fast delivery of Slurpee, groceries, essentials, meals, snack and treats 24-7.